Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Chris Rosini, our co-host. Chris, welcome to the program. Good morning. Great to be with you again, Dr. Paul. Very good. But Chris, before, before we start, let's share a message about our partnership with Birch Gold. The global upheaval caused by Russia's invasion of Ukraine and the crippling sanctions on Russian trade are showing to have massive ripple effect across the world, including right here in the U.S. And it's not just at the gas pumps. Food prices are soaring right now. To quote President Biden with regards to food shortages, it's going to be real. Friends, inflation continues to skyrocket. As the dollar becomes worth less every day, transition some of your nest egg to something of worth. Gold and silver from Birch Gold. That's right. Birch Gold will help you convert an IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered account in gold and silver. Get started now. Text RON to 989-898. With thousands of satisfied customers and an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, Birch Gold can help you protect your savings. Text RON to 989-898 to get a free info kit on gold. There is no obligation to get this information. Text RON to 989-898 to protect your savings with gold. Chris, what are we going to be talking about today? Yes, Dr. Paul. Well, there are a lot of years that we could point to that were detrimental to uh, American freedom, uh, but none sticks out more than the year 1913, because it was in that year that both the income tax and the Federal Reserve were created. I mean, talk about a one-two punch, because at that, once that began, Americans' earnings no longer belong to them. They belong to the government first. The government would decide how much of your earnings you were allowed to keep with the income tax. But it got even worse, because what you were allowed to keep after that would be under relentless attack ever since 1913 from the Federal Reserve, because then they would steal what was left via inflation. So uh, our freedom was put into a vice, squeezed from both sides by the income tax and then the Fed's inflation. You know, times were much, much different than they are today. There were large families that were able to live on one income. You know, uh, today they've virtually abolished large families especially, and everyone needs to work, and it's still not enough. You know, people would pay with cash for things. That was not a regular part of uh, uh, American's life. Today, it's virtually, uh, you know, financially, nobody is uh, without debt these days, almost. Uh, we're in debt slavery. So much has changed from that year. The sad part, Dr. Paul, is many people think that this is how it is and how it should be. You can't get rid of the income tax or the Fed. How would we ever survive? You know, so it's a, it's a sad state of affairs, but the more people that realize how it was versus how it is, you know, perhaps they would like to go back to sound money and freedom again. Very good. You know, our title is pretty uh, clear cut, and I can recall <clears throat> talking about this very early on when I first started in campaigning and in politics. 
But they always got a lot of applause. And the Fed and the income tax repeal 1913, it's still very popular, except it's a minority of people, uh, you know, in Washington. If people in Washington can't do it, they'd be out of business, they'd be out of work. And all the recipients would be pretty, pretty much annoyed because that's what they live on. And uh, they spend, they tax, and they inflate. And this is a system that's been around for too long. And there were a lot of people, good people, that uh, opposed what was happening with the income tax in 1913. But they snuck that through as usual. And it was just going to be a little bit, you know, 1% on a couple of rich people. And we've heard that story before. And then it turned it into this monster on the way they can control people and the way they can use the tax code to force business people and others to do certain things or they will be punished, you know, by the taxing authorities. And we've seen that in the last administration, uh, the last Democratic administration, they used the tax code to punish their political opponents. But, you know, this... Um, this thing has been going on for a long time, and we're really at a crossroads on what's happening with a system that overtaxes and overinflates, overgrows the, uh, the size of the federal government, and undermines the, pro the, the whole concept of, uh, of liberty. Take, for instance, there's a lot of concern right now about inflation. People are worried about inflation, but they never hardly ever hear anything on television that would explain to them where does the inflation come from it's always uh, you know either putin or uh, uh putin or biden's fault well it's the federal reserve's fault it's the people who want the money it's their fault too so there's a lot of people to blame but really the people the the one group that couldn't it wouldn't happen uh if we didn't have it, and that is the federal reserve they create money to base the currency and uh pay off debt to uh, you know to liquidate debt but uh the uh the whole thing is and we list the taxes and the inflation together because the inflation is the ultimate tax that is the sinister tax and that is what's being used right now and uh and we're in, in, in the midst of a major crisis because you know just just since 2008 was a big year because we had a bad recession, which I think is go going on still, and that is when QE started, and we have had massive monetary inflation, but we've had the consequence too. You know, back in 2008, the national debt was uh, $10, $10 trillion. Now it's $30 trillion, so it's tripled since then. In, in 2008, M2 was $7 trillion. Uh, M1, M2 was $7 trillion, now it's 21 It tripled in, in size. And, uh, of course, gold has responded by going from less than $800 up to nearly $2,000. So this is all a reflection of a system that doesn't deserve its, the credibility that it still has, but it's losing it steadily. We're losing the confidence around the world because just because we've had the military power and the economic power, especially since World War II, uh, doesn't mean it's going to last forever. And I think what we're seeing is the cracking at the seams, and it looks like some people are, are helping to precipitate it with uh, starting a much bigger conflict, you know, in Ukraine and letting it spread. Because we're participating still in the arms manufacturing and all the antagonism that's going on. 
You know, the, the silliest thing I think that has come in the last several years about inflation, when they talk about inflation, they talk about the CPI going up, and that hurts poor people, it hurts a lot of people. They never talk about the money supply. Like I just did, the money supply had tripled since 2008. So they don't talk about that because that means they would have to cut spending, and too many people are dependent on the spending. But this is an anniversary year for an event that happened in uh, 2012. Uh, and that, what happened in 2012 is it was discovered and the Fed admitted that they secretly and no longer secretly, their target of debasing the currency would be 2% a year. Because they thought, they, they came to the conclusion that prices weren't going up fast enough. And rising prices to them means active, healthy economy. Wherever they got that has to be, you know, a, a bizarre interpretation of even Keynesianism. But that's been around, it's been gone, and I often wonder, when, when is it going to happen that 2%, you know, breaks out? And, but years they've talked about it. They still talk about returning to 2%. But I tell you what. It was this year, it was in March, really, when it was discovered that the CPI, they couldn't hide it anymore because when it starts up, what they do is they change how they calculate it. They change uh, what items they measure and they manipulate the numbers. So this, was, uh, this has happened and, um, and, now, and now people are starting to recognize it and it is the big issue. Right now, you know, they're not gonna be talking about COVID in the election. People are sick and tired of the prices going up. One of our jobs, Chris, as, we, as I see, and I'm, I know you agree, is that we have to get a message out. They have to look at the real cause, and it has to do with the debasement of money. Prices aren't going up because the economy is healthy. And when the, when the economy is unhealthy, pushing the prices up, that doesn't solve their problems. It, it makes it worse. And that's the kind of philosophy they're following. But uh, no, there will be a climactic to end to this, not this week or next month, but it will come. It's getting worse because it's social conflicts that have come from this too, because it divides groups of people, uh, the people who benefit and the people who lose out from it. So there's always beneficiaries, at least on the early stages, and certainly all the special interests are benefiting, whether it's the military industrial complex or the welfare beneficiaries. It's, it's something that eventually will be the source of our social conflict. It's also the source of the ability of the Marxists to raise their ugly head and say, see, see what freedom does, see what these free markets do, and they point to it, and uh, the people in Washington, except for the few, they don't even have an answer for that. They say, oh, well, uh, yeah, it's Putin's fault. Oh, it's Biden's fault, and it's the profiteering's fault. That's one of Pelosi's reasons. Too much profit. You gotta just make your money honest and, and, uh, and upright like she does in the stock market. <laughs> now that's honest, and, uh, honest earnings. So this is, this is where we are today. I think it's very dangerous. And right now we have a job ahead of us for all of us, those of us who believe that sound money is an important issue and government living within its means is crucial.
Excellent, Dr. Paul. And, you know, 1913, with the establishment of both the income tax and the Federal Reserve, it ended up creating uh, the biggest government to ever exist, which is the most ironic thing in the world, that this place, which was known as the land of the free, which I doubt even kids are even taught anymore, has now the biggest parasitical class to ever exist. Uh, it's absolutely amazing. And that's not to say that everything was perfect before 1913. There is no perfect here on Earth. But it's much, much worse when it comes to freedom uh, and, and uh, individual liberty. And now that we're 100 years into this so-called system, the parasites are acting like vultures, you know, mm -hmm. scrambling around to feather their nest while they still can because the host is getting weak. And you know, uh, just yesterday you had Scott Ritter on and he was talking about how it doesn't matter how much military equipment you send over to Ukraine, it's not going to make any difference. There, it'll most likely be destroyed, but do you think that the military contractors care if it's going to be destroyed? No, they're getting this taxpayer money, our money, to make them just make more and send more and destroy that. Uh, so they don't care. And we just went through this with a big pharma. All those billions in vaccines that are now going to waste. People do not want them. They're trash. Do you think they care? They got their taxpayer money. So this is, this, this is what 1913 created, a parasitical class. They're like vultures picking away at every dime that we have. But you know, the dimes are running out and you can see them scrambling to get as much as they can before that actually happens. Very good. You know, the uh, the two percent lie, this whole thing that it is important to destroy the money at a two percent rate and everything will be OK uh, because, uh, you know, the uh, the whole idea that if prices go up, everything is hunk and dory. But uh, the um, pe people have to realize that uh, when the government reports something like the CPI, that you can't rely on it. And most people are coming around to that. There's there's no justified reason why we should, uh, you, you know, put uh, put much weight on what the government tells us. Because, uh, you know, it, it was really uh, at a point where they had to recognize that the 2%, I always, I always argue, that's the silliest thing I've ever heard of from a central bank. 2% will do the trick. And I said, what I predict is 2% will never be known. <laughs> no, it lasted for one day or 30 minutes because it soared through 2% probably at the beginning of this year. But our government acknowledged that in March that something certainly uh, did, did happen. And uh, they, 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 they did that, and they realized that they were going to have to do something about it. But, you know, while in Congress, I talked to, you know, to a lot of uh, Federal Reserve Board chairmen and frequently would ask the question or make the point, if you're doing A, B and C, isn't this going to devalue the currency? It doesn't this encourage big government, all the things that uh, Austrian economics teaches of why you don't want this type of system. And none of them really argued with me. They didn't want to say, oh, you're wrong on that. You're saying that. They always acknowledge that, yes, doing these things can cause it. But more than one of them, this must be part of the lessons that you have to learn before you become a Federal Reserve Board chairman. They always answered, yes, but those changes have to be orderly. You can't have 
too much inflation at once or too much recession and this sort of thing. They have to be good managers. So if there's a problem, it's only mismanagement. I think there's less confidence in the Fed, and that's good because they can't possibly do this. And I keep thinking, you know, in 1913, when they started the Federal Reserve, the dollar, the dollar was defined as one twentieth of an ounce of gold. You know, and we've lost in an orderly fashion 98% of the purchasing power of the Federal Reserve dollar. And in a way, they manage that too. You know, it's sort of incrementalism. People accept it, and there'll be bursts of inflation. I mean, we had terrible inflation and all in the 70s, but we still want to get over it. And they say, see, see uh, we've returned to order, you know, orderliness. And, but, but tell you what, it, when it comes down to the deep statistics of what's really happening in the country, how many people, uh, you, you know, are not doing as well as the statistics show, that is not orderly. And I think this disorder is going to continue, but this was this always fascinating me. As long as it's orderly, you can steal from people. Yeah, that's what a criminal always said. I want this robbery to be orderly. I have a gun here. You obey. And uh, mm. if you don't cough up with enough taxes, we're going to just print your money that you have in your pocket. We can steal half your money in seconds by diluting the value of the currency. So that's the type of system we've had. And why shouldn't somebody and everybody expect bad results ultimately? Because on the short run, there are some benefits. There's no doubt about it. But it's all based on, on uh, you know, artificial wealth. It's been earned not by saving and hard work. It's been, done, uh, it's been created by borrowing money and the creation of money by the government. And so it does give a boost and people do benefit. And just look at the, uh, the exaggerations on prices and things. Right now, it, it looks like something I've talked about over the years, and that is there, there are times when they just don't know what to do with all the cash that's slushing around. And certainly since COVID, there's a lot of that. And, uh, and one of the goals, of course, of the Federal Reserve has been to keep the stock market people happy. The big guys have to protect their investments. And even though they have shaky days, and I think they're going to get shakier, but uh, over the years, you know, uh, it's been very orderly. They print the money and house prices go up and all. But it always ends up in excesses, and usually the, P, the governments overspend, get up too much debt, have an empire, overextend themselves over, overseas, and then become uh, disrespectful to the responsibility of protecting the value of their currency and the dollar. And since that's a reserve currency, the dollar right now, what is happening right now has a great deal of significance. And I would expect in the next couple of years, you're going to see some bigger problems. Right now, people say, well, you know, on international markets, the dollar's still strong. Yes, but the measure of the value of the dollar shouldn't be by a basket of currencies or whatever the Fed tells us or the 
or the treasury tells us it has to be what the housewife, the people who go and buy, uh, buy the groceries, the people who pay the gasoline bills, the people who uh, have to live on a budget, the people who, you know, have to have two and three jobs. They should tell you what the, you know, about the value of the dollar. And the value of the dollar is going down. We can't let them get away with lying and fibbing and distorting the fact that prices are going up because of people honestly working for a liver. Just because a working man wants more money for his wages because he can't live otherwise. Or you can't blame a businessman who honestly earns a living and earns profit. You, you can't blame them for the problem. It's the devaluation of the, and, and, uh, of the currency that matters. And it's done on purpose. It's been designed that way because they're convinced that they can do this and make sure that they can do it in an orderly fashion. My prediction is it's not going to stay orderly. Very good, Dr. Paul. I will finish up by, uh, by saying ideas matter. That's our business. We're in the business of ideas. Back in 1913, the Federal Reserve and income tax happened because the ideas that the people had in their minds were complementary to having an income tax in the Fed. The people back then were sold that it would be better for them. Were they thinking about the people in 2022 and what life would be like? Probably not, how could they? You know, but the ideas of liberty matter now because people must believe today that freedom is much better than this. Uh, even while this still exists, you know, while it looks bleak, people can change very, very quickly. And the vultures and the parasitical class, they think that they could just do this without end. You can tell by their attitudes, by the policies they make. They think that they are the kings of the universe forever. But that's not how human life works. You know, a threshold will be reached someday, and people can flip in a heartbeat. You know, you can ride a horse your entire life, but once that car comes along, the horse is gone and you're in that car. So someday that will happen with the ideas of liberty. Whether we're here to see it or not, I hope so, but so, you know, that's out of our control. But until then, and especially until then, it's our job and your job to live the best as you can, uh, uh, you know, by respecting other people, dealing voluntarily with them, and advocating, you know, enough of this garbage because it's only hurting all of us and we're not benefiting. The vultures are benefiting, that's it. And, uh, you know, it's the sooner that we can get out of that and into a freer society, the better. Very, very good. And you're, you're absolutely right, Chris. Uh, ideas are very important. They have consequences. And uh, people say, well, how do you get 51% to agree so you can pass all these legislation? The uh, attitude of the people, the prevailing attitude is important, and some people argue the case that the type of government we have has to be endorsed uh, by <coughs> the, the uh, average and the, the large number of people. But that is not the way it works. That's a consequence of people with different ideas. So Keynesian economics, social economics, they have consequences in a negative way. <coughs> now the uh, explanation of the business cycle by Austrian free market economists, they have consequences too. And that's where we see the benefits coming along in more and more people and a lot of young people interested in, uh, you know, the truth about economics. But, you know, they still, <clears throat> there's still a lot of persistence on this fakery about what to do because they won't admit the truth. 
uh, almost uh, annually on a routine basis, there were bills brought up that say, okay, we do have a mess. They're, you know, they're trying to get some points with fiscal conservatives. We do have a mess and we have to do something about it. But $250 for a hammer for the Pentagon, we have to stop that. We have to have a bill then to say no more waste, no more fraud, no more abuse, and this will take care of the rising prices. Well, you know, I always resented that because that was just fake stuff. Because that, that is not the problem. That doesn't deal with the problem of printing money because people want, people to, they want the government to spend the money. But anyway, it's always there. Because basically that won't do any good because it's the government itself that's wasteful and fraudulent and is abusive in the way they spend money. So if you don't address policy and the monetary policy, it's not going to do any good. But, you know, we're working on a uh, system that is going to drive us to a point of a monetary reform, which I argued before I ever went to Congress, and that was one of the reasons we had a gold commission way back in the 79 and 80 when people were uh, getting more interest, and gold was re-legalized in 75, which was really of a great benefit. Uh, that helped, uh, helped a market, helped decide the value of the gold because it was always rigged, and still probably is rigged to a large degree. But this country, actually, we're looking for the third time to go back to gold. Uh, th this is what has always stopped runaway inflation eventually, is the return to precious metal and gold over the thousands of years of history have generally been uh, the source of the answer. And uh, this, this is not uh, brand new. I mean, uh, they, the inflation and the distortion and distrust in money has been around for thousands of years. But they go back, they go back to something solid and sound monetarily, which has been around for about 5,000 years. They go back to, especially back to gold. But this would be the third time if we could do it. The first time I claim is uh, when, uh, uh, you know, our new government destroyed the continental dollar. You know, that was all fake, but they, you know, pragmatism said to do it. But, it, but they, the founders were smart enough to say, hey, that is a bad idea. So they went back to gold and they put it in the Constitution. Only gold and silver could be used as a legal tender. So the rules are there. It's the people uh, that have succumbed to the taking over of this whole system, the banking people and the financial people and all the special interests where that, th those rules in the Constitution don't exist. But, you know, even after the Civil War, after they abused the gold standard during the Civil War with the greenbacks, you know, and by 1975 they said, hey, this is not working so well. So they had a resumption act and by 1979 they went back on the gold standard and they restored it uh, back to the original $20 an ounce, which was pretty amazing. Amazing. But now, this is, all, this is a different ballgame. Then we had 1913. Government was guaranteed to grow and our liberties were going to shrink. Our dollar would be devalued and debased. And it has been, to go back to gold thing, it's a 98% it, decrease in purchasing power. And right now, we're looking for the next time. Like I said, 1975 was very interesting for 40 years. Americans weren't even allowed to own gold. They said, it's sort of unbelievable, you know, that the American people were so complacent. But anyway, in, uh, finally by 1975, the inflation was breaking out. We had a gold commission, and that was one of the recommendations. They get gold re-legalized and at least mint the coins to get people thinking about this. 
So the day will come, but we don't know the nature of it. And I think of one irony that uh, would be really weird is that as we become more uh, Marxist and more socialist and more dictatorial, as we've seen recently, that uh, other countries that had been a lot worse than they are today, and I'm thinking about the really outrageous evilness of Marxism worldwide during the Cold War and before the Cold War and World War II and all these things, that, that, was, that was pretty bad. But here we're talking about us disrupting the financial order, uh, and we have to be willing to take some of the responsibility, a lot of responsibility uh, for this, that uh, people are saying, you, you know, what, what, what are we going to do? Well, uh, we believe we are the, that we're the dictator. We uh, participate in most of the coups of the world. Nobody, not too many people in the United States would believe that, but uh, everybody is concentrating on the potential coup last, you know, January 6th, uh, you know, mm. after the last election. That's, that's what they concentrate on. But uh, no, the, uh, the, the uh, activity now in trying to overcome the sanctions and the destruction of the financial system with our power in controlling currency uh, exchanges uh, has come to the point where we, we, we tell people, you do this. If we don't do it, we put on sanctions. And if they, that doesn't work, then we end up bombing them. In a way, that's sort of what's going on and uh, it went on in the Middle East. And, and uh, it's, it's uh, part of the problem we have in Ukraine and all, all these areas. But what's happening? Some of these formerly vicious, violent uh, Marxist system, which in comparison are nothing like they used to be, uh, and they now are sick and tired of having sanctions and their and their deposits stolen by us. That they're they're conniving, they're conspiring to start a new exchange, a new world currency. So it'd be really ironic that some of these countries get to, might, you know, get together. They threaten to, it won't be easy, get together and reestablish a gold standard. That would really be ironic, but it's possible it could happen. Maybe if that happens and move in that direction, the people in this country will wake up and say, what is happening to us? Why aren't we, uh, you know, the richest country in the world anymore? Why is our education? system go on to the dog and and all these things and they might wake up and say hey maybe these guys that talk about freedom and free markets and sound money and civil liberties property ownerships and contracts that to obey maybe, maybe they have a point or two we better look at what they're doing <laughs> Chris that's sort of what uh, I'm waiting for and I'd like to contribute to and encourage everybody to once again look toward the principles of peace and prosperity and our freedoms. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. To the Liberty Report, please come back soon. <laughs>